2: Welcome to the Business Edge, giving practical advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders on how to take your company, firm, or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth. I'm Marcia Seidel, your Smart Moves coach, getting you on the right track, keeping you on the right track, and making sure you don't get sidetracked. Here's a Smart Moves quote from Brad Pitt. He said, I grew up in Oklahoma and Missouri, and I just love film. My folks would take us to the drive-in on summer nights and we'll sit on the hood of the car. I just had this profound love for storytelling. I think we all do. For me, as a kid, it was around the campfire. But storytelling doesn't have to stop as adults. In fact, it can play an important part in growing your business. My guest today, Dave Lieber, who will tell us the secrets of amazing storytelling. As a Dallas Morning News columnist, Dave has worked for more than 30 years to get his newspaper audiences to not turn the page on him. In today's world, it's harder than ever to get people to notice you. But there's one tried and true method that works every time. Dave will share his simple-to-use storytelling method and show you how to customize it for your business and industry. You can use these techniques immediately to increase sales, get that contract, and increase your loyal fan base whose members will help you, fund you, support you, and care about you. Welcome, Dave. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so
3: much. I'm looking forward to this.
2: Well, let's just start with this, this question. So you're a newspaper columnist, I know that. Um, how did you get into storytelling?
3: Well, I realized as a young man probably uh, 35 years ago that if you just tell the who, what, when, where, and why, that probably wasn't going to work because people kind of get turned off by just facts alone. They want them cr- crafted into a story arc because the brain really likes to hear stories more than just bullet points. So I tried to differentiate myself between all the other newspaper men and women that I've worked with over the years of the different papers I've worked with by um, telling stories with a beginning and a middle and an end, and using a dramatic arc and keeping the anticipation flowing so that people would continue to read all the way to the end. And I think that's been the secret of my success. Rather than just giving a bunch of facts, I have crafted stories over and over and over again. And and I believe that the brain, well, I know this for a fact from science, the brain loves the story more than the bullet points.
2: (laughs) I totally agree with you. Um, You may be talking about this a bit later because you're going to give your method of uh, storytelling. Mm -hmm. But to, to some of our listeners, they may not understand what you mean by the arc. Can you tell a little bit about that? Yeah,
3: that's a great question. um, A story has to have some basic components to it. And most people sort of know this, but they don't really, really know it. You know, a story has to have a beginning and a middle and an end. And a story has to have a hero and a villain. And a hero can be a person, place, or thing. And a villain can be a person, place, or thing. And the villain and a hero have a conflict. And the reader, the, the listener, is, is rooting for the hero to overcome the conflict caused by the villain. And that story arc basically is the span of the whole story where you root for them and, oh, my goodness, they're going to go. They're not going to make it. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, wait, something great's about to happen. He can do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And those are the emotions that you kind of experience during that story arc. We all know about story arc because we all watch movies TV shows and read books you know, that have the story arc. So that's really the the basic premise of the story is that it takes you forward from the beginning, the middle to the end.
2: Um, you know, when you were you know when you were getting into talking about it, my first thought was, well. Um, this uh, applies to sports. You're watching, you know, Mm -hmm. two teams fighting, you know, going for the basket, and one gets it, and one doesn't, and there's a great, there's great emotion in that. Um, But as a newspaper, uh, uh, you know, someone in the newspaper, you write about lots of different things. So, um, how can you use that, let's say, when you're talking about an accident or writing about an accident or a political uh, affair or whatever? How, how, you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm just curious, how do you take that and write it about something that's maybe um, uh, not as dramatic as two teams running down the court?
3: Well, we'll take your accident example because that is particularly a tough one to do. Normally, what you would see in a newspaper or on a TV news would be the facts of the accident, where it was, when it was, uh, the place, the time, the people involved, anyone hurt, what was the cause of the accident. Mm-hmm. Okay, if I'm going to be a reporter and I'm going to go interview the people and write a story about the accident, I'm probably going to start at the beginning. Um, where were you two hours ago? Um, where, where were you going? Uh, what did you do before you left? What was the weather like? Um, so you're driving down the street. You're trying to get to such and such a place. So what happened before the accident? How fast were you going? Uh, what, was the, what was the road conditions? Okay, so now tell me in a split second by second uh, what exactly happened in the accident from A to Z. When did you notice the situation? What did you first do? Then what happened after the accident? Did you get out of the car? What did you say to the person? What did they say back to you? Who's hurt? Who wasn't hurt? Uh, did, who else came? Were there witnesses? And then from that, you get this story where you say something like, you know, Dave Lieber was uh, thought it was just another sunny day in Texas when he hit the road uh, Thursday morning. But then as he was approaching a famous hill on I-30 going into Dallas, he didn't know that around the bend at Pike's Corner was um, a tractor trailer that had flipped over. He only had a split second to see it. And there was barely enough time to hit the brakes. He skidded, and he dot, dot, dot. Okay, so at that point, like, who's not going to go past the dot, dot, dot? We, <laughs> we need to know because we're captivated in the story. It's not some facts in a newspaper article. It's real people doing real things that we ourselves do all the time, too, and we can totally relate to it, and we want to know more because human beings are so curious. They say that curious is a cat. Well, I don't think a cat is half 10 times as curious as, as we are. We're much more curious than than my cat, you know. So we want to know more.
2: There, that, great example, great example. And I know later we're going to use what you've talked about in and crafting a story um for business leaders. But I just want to know a little more about you. Um what kind of journalist are you today? What are you doing today?
3: Well, I I'm I'm writing a column that appears in the Dallas Morning News on Fridays and Sundays called The Watchdog. Mm -hmm. And what I attempt to do is expose corruption or unfair practices in businesses and government. So like yesterday, for example, I must have gotten 30 emails from people with individual problems that they want me to write about. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I'm only doing two a week, so I can't write about 30 that I get in one day. So I try and help them offline learn how to solve those problems. But then I pick the two best stories that I can come up with in a week, and I write those for Friday and Sunday, with the emphasis being on stories. You know, I need to find stories that have emotion, that have a beginning and a middle and an end, a, a hero and a villain, a dramatic arch, that will get people to read the paper, read my story, and not turn the page on me.
2: And so... Um... You know, what you're doing is so interesting, and maybe you can come back uh, another time to talk about, you know, the watchdog, because that's fascinating. But let's move on to um, what was the most important story you ever told? Um, Well,
3: um, it was the one that really cemented my concept that the only way to really make a big dent in society is to tell as close as you can to the perfect story. Um, It was a story... That began, it ran in the newspaper on October 2nd, 1994, in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram on a Sunday column. And it began with the line, here in Texas, I've met the woman of my dreams. Unfortunately, she lives with the dog of my nightmares. And then I explained how I met this great woman, Karen, and she had this dog who couldn't stand me because the dog didn't like men. And then Karen had two children also. And through the story, I talked about the dog and I being in tremendous conflict. I'm getting along with the woman. She loves me. I love her. The two kids are a little bit skeptical of this new guy that's come into the household. But they're sort of warming up to me. But this darn dog just hates me. And how can I overcome? And then I wrote, finally, one day I decided to sit down and talk to the dog and tell her I was sorry some mean man had mistreated her and sorry for all the hassle she had gone through in her life, but I was so happy that... Karen had rescued her and rescued me. And now I see the hole in my life needs more than just a dog to fill it. Karen, there's something magical about you, me, the girl, the boy, and even your doggone little dog. Karen, I want to do this forever. I want to be with you forever. Karen, will you marry me? And that's how it ended. And so I proposed to my current (laughs) wife in the newspaper in that story, and it totally caught people unawares because they thought they were reading a story about my conflict with this dog and it turned out to be this life-changing event for me and it also helped cement my relationship with readers because once they read that story they kind of never ever gave up on me they really gave me a chance they could understand who i was and relate to me because so much of the story matched what was going on in their own life which is a key to a great story if I can relate to your story. It'll be that much more powerful. And so many people had a pet that didn't like them. And so many people were getting married and had, or had gotten married and, and had adopted stepchildren, you know. So that was the, the end-all, be-all story for me, the one that really changed my life and also set my career path to the point where I could really go and be the, kind of the best kind of newspaper columnist that I could be. It won a national award for writing, and it really differentiated me from all the other columnists that didn't take that chance didn't take that risk because people love it when you take a risk and and take a chance like that for them to tell them a great story
2: well, you know we have um I think this is we're gonna we're coming up to a break shortly mm-hmm. but uh, but I think the two important points that i i I got from the story you told was uh that I think. Everyone, including business leaders, need to know, and the first one is to say things and do things that people can relate to mm-hmm. um, that the, if you're talking to your employees, you need to talk to them in a way that they can relate to what the situation is and who you are and that you care about them and then the second thing that I got I that it said to me was. Have something unexpected, so that you you, you know you're there, you're going along this path, and then something happens. So mm-hmm. when we come back from our break, um, maybe you would like to comment on that, sure. as well as talk about now moving into storytelling and in business. So uh, listeners, it's time for a short break. This is Marcia Zidal your Smart Moves Coach. You're listening to the Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth on Voice America's Business Channel.
4: Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics.
1: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marcia Zidle. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marcia at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge.
2: Welcome back, listeners. This is Marsha Idol, your Smart Moves Coach. My guest is David Lieber Uh my guest is David Lieber talking about storytelling and business and when we, uh, the last comment was uh, he talked about his most important story and how he had proposed to his wife and um, got people's attention and I said it was really important for people to relate to the story can you talk a, a little bit about that uh, Dave uh, why so important
3: okay well um Let's, let's talk about how to use a story in, in business and, and how to get your employees and your customers to relate to it. I, what I have found, though, and this is really one of the things that's so upsetting in communication, is that whoever invented uh, the PowerPoint presentation really messed up uh, business communication because for the last 20 to 30 years, we've seen businesses just constantly rely on PowerPoint presentations, bullet points uh, to, to pass facts on to people. And it's a pretty lousy way to communicate. Um, and I really wish that, that that had never happened. I mean, I walk into a college class sometimes, and I'll see a professor teaching off PowerPoint and reading slides to the students. And it's the exact worst way to communicate and to help people remember, because actually stories actually help you not only care in the moment, but remember later. Um, that story that I've just told you before about proposing marriage and writing about the dog, I mean, it's been almost 20 years, and, you know, I people remember that, and I talk about that in my speeches, and, of course, years later, people go, oh, I heard you speak five years ago, and you told the story about the dog that didn't like you and how you proposed. So anything that can get people to pay attention and care in this cluttered, crazy, disorganized world is, is wonderful. And so you look at a guy like Steve Jobs, who, you know, was a master storyteller, and he didn't get up in front of the group and and start, you know, saying here are the five things you need to know about my new iPhone. It, what he did instead was he said there's this problem that we have in the world where we really can't communicate very well because it's complicated and you have to carry this computer around and you know, you can't play music on it and it's just but look what I've invented here. Look, look at how this solves that problem and 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 Steve Jobs became the hero and the iPhone became the hero and he didn't tell you 10 facts you needed to know about the iPhone. He said, here's the story about what this beautiful new invention does. And that's kind of the, uh, the, the, the idea. If I were a business owner, let's talk internally and then externally. If I'm a business owner and I'm talking internally to my staff, you know, I could tell them, hey, you guys really need to turn off the lights because every month we get the electric bill and it's so exciting expensive and it's just please turn off the lights and we all have seen memos like that at work but how do you take that simple message that bullet point turn off the lights the bill is high and and turn it into a story that people can remember and then act on so i mean this is just an example if i wanted to communicate that message i would probably get up in front of my staff and i'd say you know times are tough here and there's no, it's no secret we've had to lay off 5% of our staff. And, and I've been working really hard to keep the staff together and not have any more layoffs. And I'm looking at every little corner of this company. And, you know, I've told you guys that we leave the lights on at night and please don't do that anymore. And, and you know, I come in sometimes at 6 a.m. and the lights are still on. And listen, folks, listen. Listen to me carefully. The electric bill last month was $2,477, and I'm holding it in my hand showing, $2,477. You multiply that by 12 months, and you get the salary of a secretary in this office. Y'all like the secretaries here, don't you? I mean, look at Sheila and John and Ben. They're great people. So look, if we turn off the lights, I don't have to lay off a secretary in the next 12 months. What's... What do you want to do? Do you want to keep these people that we like working with us or do you want to leave these lights burning on all night long when nobody's here? I suggest that when you go out and you look at that switch, you think about the people that sit beside you and think about how those expenses, those unnecessary expenses are helping to keep our, our jobs if we can just knock them out. You know, Not spending money on things we don't need. We can keep working here. and We can keep our family together. And then I would just shut up and I'd let them think about it for a moment. And I think it would work, don't you, Marcia?
2: I think so, too. But um, ha- have you seen that happen um, where uh, uh, y- y- where the CEO uh, uses a story like that and yeah. the reaction of the folks listening to it?
3: Yeah, I've seen... I've seen CEOs. Um, let's say a CEO rolls out a product, a new product to the company that they've been working on, and he wants everybody in the company to see. So they rent a hotel ballroom and they gather everybody in the room. You know, the good way and the bad way. The bad way would be the CEO would have a PowerPoint presentation and he'd say, "Here's our new product, and here's the five things it does, and here's the fifty thousand places you can buy it, and here's the four thousand vendors that we've contracted to sell it, and here's the motto for it, the slogan." and You know, here's the here's the picture of it, and all this bullet points of all the facts—the who, what, when, where, why, and how of which of a newspaper reporter. You know, who, what, when, where, why, and how. Well, okay. You know, they'll they'll see it, they'll look at it, they might remember some of it. But what if we just started off by saying, okay, we all know that there's this terrible problem in the world, and then give examples of the problem and people that are hurt by the problem, and make them gripping and emotional and dramatic and and then go, but now, we have come up with the Excalibur 1000, which when we, our company XYZ, swoops in and delivers this product to the world, notice what's about to happen. Everybody, for the first time, will be able to avoid that problem. We are going to be the heroes. The villain was the problem, but by us bringing this product onto the market, we are going to solve it for everybody. Yay! And it just becomes this story: a hero and a villain, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And people are going, "Oh, I love it!" Because that's how the brain works, you know. I want to talk a little bit about the brain, Marsha. Is that okay? Sure,
2: go right ahead.
3: Um, we have we have in our brain billions of neural endings, and it's it's, a, it's you know, and science doesn't really know what all these parts of the brain do for sure, but we're getting pretty close, and we're learning a lot. And one of the things we've learned is. That when, a, when you hear a story, the neural endings in your brain, they get fired up, and they, like, they kind of stand up and get excited and, and twinkle. But when you drop down to the bullet points of something, the neural endings just kind of die. Yeah. And I notice this all the time in audiences when I speak or when I write. When I give facts, people kind of glaze over, but when I launch into a story, they Their their eyes light up. They start to smile at me from the audience. And as soon as I'm done with the story, then they kind of droop back down again. I can see it in their eyes. I can see it in their facial expressions. And the way I do a transition when I speak is I say, okay, I've been boring you with facts now on purpose to show you how bad this is to just bullet point out life. And I also had to share these facts with you because some facts have to be shared. But watch what happens now. And then I do like a 360. And I come and I face them again. I go, you know, once upon a time, there was a guy from New York City who came to Texas and couldn't fit in. And I decided the only way I could fit in was to ride a bull in a rodeo. (laughs) Let me tell you about the time I rode a bull in a rodeo. And all of a sudden, their eyes light up. Nobody gets up and goes to the bathroom. Nobody pulls out their phone and checks their messages. You know, funny thing is when I speak to audiences... I'm told later on, I go, wow, you know, nobody was looking at their phone. We're used to speakers who come up here and everybody's looking at their phones while they're talking and they're tweeting. And, and I'm like, well, no, because they're like into the story and they don't want to miss anything. They get so captivated by the by the story that they just don't want to miss what's happening because the neural endings in their brain are just fired up and excited, you know?
2: Well, um, I, I- You know, let me just say to the listeners: I heard your story about the ball, and I heard your story about the uh, your proposal to your to your wife, Mm -hmm. and that you know that was the reason I asked you uh, to be on the show because you got me. But a couple of other things that I think it's important from what you were just saying, um, which is um, you're using uh, real life experiences that you've had. And I think that's important because people can identify. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you being an astronaut and you being, you know, flying into space. I think that's a great story, but I'm not sure people can identify with it. So you're using uh, experiences you've had. And then the second thing, second point was that, yes, uh, I am I live in Dallas like you and we're Texans and your story about the bull. Uh, makes a lot of sense here, but to the listeners, you know, it it's to take whatever is in your region. You may not you do bull riding. You may do snow sledding, and so make it apropos for the region that you're in and for your own experience. Does that make sense to you, uh, Dave? It does, but it's so funny because, you know, conflict
3: is conflict, and people you know, love to hear conflicts and how they're resolved because they learn from other people's conflicts and resolutions. So I've given this speech in Canada, and I've given it in Mexico, and, you know, it it doesn't really matter if anybody's ever been to a rodeo. When I'm telling the story, I use um, elements of new journalism, which are, um, new journalism is a kind of a... The, the, the way you write stories, journalism stories, but you use the, the, the literary techniques of the great fiction writers. So you use scene-by-scene construction, dialogue in full, strong point of view, and the use of status details like what a person wears and how they walk and what kind of jewelry they have in the car. And you bring those little details in and tell the story and make it come alive. So when I tell the story about riding on the bull, I think I bring the audience on the bull with me so that they see it through my eyes and they're really on the bull and they're going through the drama too. And I, I, I think I could do that as in an astronaut story. I think I could tell you an astronaut story and make it relate so well to you that your neural endings in your brain will fire up and you'll just be so gripped by it that that, and you'll take something away, you know, the, the movie Apollo 13, none of us were, you know, astronauts, but we loved the movie because the conflict was so stark, and the resolution was so dramatic, and we were scared, and the anticipation was great, and, and we could relate to conflicts in our own life that were like where we were in places where we didn't know if we'd ever get out.
2: And well, you so- know what, Dave, I have a conflict right now, which is that it's time for a break, and um, this uh, this is Marcia Zodl, your Smart Moves coach. You'll, you're listening to the Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth on Voice America's Business Channel. And listeners, when we when we come back, Dave is going to really uh, focus on his magic V-shaped storytelling formula. So how you can become a great storyteller like Dave. Stay tuned.
1: You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge.
2: Welcome back, listeners. This is Marsha Zottle, your Smart Moves Coach, and my guest today is David Lieber, who's talking about storytelling, and he has just wowed me, and I hope the rest of you, with how he tells a story, and he really gets into it. So now it's... His turn to help you become better storytellers. So, David, um, what's your uh, magic V-shaped storytelling formula, and how can business people use it?
3: Well, good. The magic V-shaped storytelling formula. What? What? If you're a business person and you have a message to communicate, for example, you're working on a brochure, you have a website, you're talking to a group of people. Um, anything at all you're trying to sell a contract to a customer whatever it is you know there's the net, there's the the obvious way that you would communicate everything you'd say you know you really need this product i've sold 40,000 of them already i'm giving you a better price um, this will help you those are the things that come to mind first when we want to talk and that's how most people communicate because that's the bullet point who what when where why how but if you just pull back for a moment and plan your and plan it so that you can grab people's heart and emotion. This is really crucial. Stories, facts will lead to knowledge and information, but stories will lead to knowledge, information, heart, and emotion. So you've got to pull back and you've got to think, okay, I was listening to the radio show the other day and I heard this guy from the newspaper talking about this V-shaped storytelling formula. Let me see how I can apply that to what I'm trying to communicate here. So, A little bit of a challenge on radio, but let me draw the V shape for you in in your mind, and you you see it. The, The formula is very simple. It starts off with a straight line going from left to right, and then it drops down to a deep V, and then that V comes back up, and at the top of the V, there's a curly Q. So it's a V, but on the left side of the V, there's a straight line, you know, left to right, and then the drop of the V, and then a curly, uh, like a, the, the V on the right side, it'll make a full circle and come back up. Okay. So let's go over that. It's five points in the storytelling formula that that V represents. The first stage is the straight line going across. And that's when we meet the hero in the very beginning and we decide whether we're going to like spending time with this person, whether there's, it's worth it, whether we're interested. And when I'm talking, what I do to get that, that, that straight line so that people are interested in me, knowing that the very beginning is so crucial for first impressions, is I'll, I'll create a little mini-conflict and tell very comically how when I got to Texas 20 years ago to be a newspaper columnist, I was covering a, a community of a, of a quarter million people that were mostly Republican, mostly Baptists, mostly conservative, mostly married, and mostly native Texans. And here I was, a liberal, divorced, Democratic, New York City Jew. They laugh. And that's when they decide that that conflict is going to be worth spending some time with because they know people like me and they know people like I was covering. And they might be one or the other, you know, and they can relate. So that's the first stage. The second stage is when you go out into the world and you start to experience whatever it is in the story. And, of course, right away you run into the villain. And the villain drives you down, drives you down that left side of that V all the way to the low point. So the villain could be, you know, an ex-spouse or a bad boss or pollution or um, poor education It's just something that's driving the hero down, 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 down. And we all know this because when we watch TV and movies, we see the hero go out into the world and the villain drives the hero down. And that's part of the dramatic arc that keeps us gripped. That's the second stage. The third stage is the bottom of the V. And I I call that the low point. And that is the most important part of any story because that's where the, the, the hero is at their worst, where they don't know how they're going to get out of it. The villain looks like, it, like, like he or she has beaten them. And, and, and that's, that has to be emphasized the most of any part of the story because that's where the heart starts to race. And we go, oh, I really like the hero, and I'm afraid that the hero isn't going to get stuck in the bottom of that V, and how are they going to get out? And when we're watching a TV show, we, we never, ever um, leave at that point because we've spent that time already invested and we want to find out what's happening and so we don't answer the phone we tell our spouse Shh, this is good and we, we really pay attention the fourth part of the uh, of the story formula is the, the coming up out of the, the the low point the right side of the v and that's where in the low point the hero does something heroic The definition of heroism, one of the definitions is to do something that's never been done before to achieve something great. In my particular case, uh, at my low point, my low point was riding the bull because that's just stupid. I mean, uh, a guy who's in his mid-30s who's never been to a rodeo should not be getting on a live bull and riding around because I could have died. Even though it was a church rodeo, I could have died, right? And, I mean, it was just dumb, and that was the lack of... Intelligence on my part, that was desperation, that was at my low point of not being able to fit into Texas. But how did I get out? How did I rise on that right side of the V? Well, in my particular case, you know, I did something you could say heroic for me, something I had never done in Texas, and something I noticed that Texans do all the time in public and private, more than any place I've ever lived, Texans love to pray. So I reached down into my pocket, and I pulled out this heroic quality that I didn't even know I had, and I I made a decision to pray. And I prayed for a good, strong, mature, wise Texas woman, someone who could take me around and introduce me to people and give me story ideas. And my ultimate fantasy was that she would edit my stories before they went in the newspaper. And you know what happens when you pray in Texas, Marcia? Let's just put it this way. There's not enough people praying for the Dallas Cowboys these days, you know.
2: (laughs) That's
3: true, that's true. So, you know, I got, God answered my prayer and, you know, in true Texas fashion, a week later I was introduced to this wonderful woman who came with these two kids and this little dog. So that's the going up the side of the V. And then the last point is the curlicue at the end and that's the, the resolution of the story. What we learned in English class as young kids was the denouement, where all the loose ends of the story are tied up. Did I get married? Have I stayed married? Did I adopt the two kids? Did the dog ever like me? What happened to the dog? What happened after my marriage proposal column came out in the newspaper? If I if I stop short of that curlicue denouement slash resolution at the end, the audience will come up and they'll say, well, what happened? Is the dog alive still? Did the dog like you? Because the brain, the neural endings, they need to know the resolution. And if there's a missing detail... They get all upset. So sometimes when you go to the movies and you've watched this flick, this chick flick where the, the man and the woman are in love and they're in and out of love and they finally at the end, you know, they and, and you sit there at the closing credits and you go, well, that really stinks, you know. Did they get married or not? Did they get married? I, I don't know because the resolution wasn't filled out. And sometimes in a movie theater you'll sit there through the credits and they'll show still pictures of the hero, you know, at their wedding with cake in their mouths and, you know, you know, throwing the garter belt and just still pictures that they, they stuck in. Because what happened during the test cases, the test showings of the movie, was people came out and they go, well, we were upset because we don't know if they got married or not. So rather than go film a new scene when all the actors have dispersed, they just throw wedding pictures in at the end to, like, tie up the resolution because the brain really requires it. So those are the five stages of the perfect story. And you don't really have to start a story at the beginning. You can start a story at the end and circle back to the beginning, middle, and then go back to the end. Or you can start in the middle and then flash back to the, to the beginning and then go to the end. So that formula has, you know, the Seinfeld comedy series really showed different ways to use that same formula, uh, including the most famous episode where they actually told the entire story backwards. I'll never forget that episode. So it's not entirely a rigid V-shaped thing. It can be played with. But that's the fundamental part of the story. That's how you do it. And you can take any business situation, and with a little bit of thought, you can take that V, and you can apply it, and you immediately notice a response from the audience that's more heartfelt, that's more emotional, they care, they remember, they love.
2: Well, you know, um, for the, we have a couple of more minutes, and I thought if we can go back to the story you talked about with the business owner who who wants the staff to turn off the lights and you talked to you know you said what he could do what what he could do and then what he actually did and can you use that story to quickly highlight the five uh points of the the v-shaped storytelling
3: yeah okay good question um i think uh we'd start off with the line going across and it'd be like hey folks you know we've all had a problem with the lights." And I think I may have come up with a way to solve that problem, so bear with me here. And then I would drop down in the V and I'd say, you know that I've been asking you guys to do this, and, and, I, and you know, I, I've told you before, our bills are high. I left memos up in your desk. I've sent you email messages. Um, this morning I came in at 6 a.m. and all the lights were still on. It's obvious that nobody's listening to me, and I'm upset I'm worried. And, I, I, you know, we're having financial problems right now. We've had to lay off a few employees. Now I'm at my low point. You know, that's just like oh, everybody in the room is like, oh, this is really depressing. And, but he goes, but, but wait, 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 I, I think I've figured a way out of this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at numbers now, and I know that really numbers represent people. And so let's, now we're going to go up the V. And then we talk about the, the, the secretary and how we love her and, you know, we just celebrated her birthday and her salary is pretty commensurate with what this electric bill overcharge is and I'm looking to cut expenses and I, would you rather turn off the lights? Or, or lose Mindy, the secretary, Which what, what, what do you want to do, folks? You know, How many of you want to turn off the lights, raise your hand, and now we're getting to the top of the V? Yeah, that's right. And how many of you love Mindy? And, Mindy, I'm not picking on you because the truth is you're not really going to lose your job. I'm just saying you represent the fact that we have to cut expenses. So forgive me, don't leave here and say, oh, my God, they're going to fire me if I turn off the lights. But this is just an example, Mindy, of how we want to get ahead and so the resolution is hey so is everybody with me now can we please remember that that money translates to people and if we can save money we can save people question mark okay are you with me everybody all right let's do this and then we're done i think the lights are going to go off Marsha.
2: I think so, too, and, and we are now ready to take another break. When we come back, Dave is going to tell you how to contact him and maybe some goodies that he could provide you because this has been an absolutely wonderful um, interview, and I, I've learned so much from this, and I thought I knew how to tell stories, but you really beat me to it. So stay tuned.
4: Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge.
2: Welcome back, listeners, to The Business Edge. This is Marcia Zotto, your Smart Moves Coach. And I've been interviewing David Lieber, who talked about storytelling in business and told some wonderful stories and showed us how we can do that as well. So, Dave... Uh, if, what, tell listeners how to contact you, and how can they learn more about what you do?
3: Okay, good. Uh, thanks, Marcia, for having me, by the way. Um, well, let's see. I have a few websites I like to tell folks about. Um, uh, you, you can read my work at the Dallas Morning News where I expose you know, bad practices at the phone company, the banks, uh, car dealers, credit card companies, all the stuff in our life, and that is at dallasnews.com slash watchdog. DallasNews.com slash watchdog. One of my main websites is called YankeeCowboy.com. YankeeCowboy.com because I'm the Yankee Cowboy, the New Yorker that's living in Texas, the Yankee Cowboy. And um, on YankeeCowboy.com there's a store. And in com slash store my books are for sale. I have three books. Uh, one's a collection of st- very short stories, like you know, very fun stories. Another is called Dave Lieber's Watchdog Nation, Bite Back When Businesses and Scammers Do You Wrong, which shows you how to protect yourself in the world from all kinds of scams and companies that try to abuse you. You know, the phone company is my favorite example of that. And um, on that yankeecowboy.com slash store, there's a section called Writing Manuals, and there's, um, there's, a, there's a manual that I've created called... Um, um, it's, a, it's a storytelling manual, and... Um, it's, called, it's How to Turn Your Writing World Upside Down, and it goes into tremendous detail about the storytelling with examples and how you do it, and it's just really, really good stuff. Um, so I'd recommend that to anybody that wanted to go further. The third place I'll tell you about is my website called watchdognation.com. It's the consumer rights movement in, that I run that I show Americans how easy it is to stand up and fight back. So those are the ways to get a hold of me, watchdognation.com, dallasnews.com slash watchdog, and yankeecowboy.com. And my well, let me spell my name for everybody. It's Dave okay. Lieber, L-I-E, B is and boy, E-R.
2: Well, thank you so much, Yankee Cowboy. You're welcome. And I, I truly enjoyed having you on the show. Thank
3: you, ma'am. And I really, I like to just say that uh, everybody out there who's listening, you know, Take that V formula and apply it to your communication messages and you will see a difference in the reaction from people. Your sales will go up and people will talk about you and care about you and the word of mouth will be great.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you.
1: It's time for Marsha's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth.
2: Do you have five years of leadership experience? or one-year experience repeated five times. I asked that to a recent coaching client, a project manager of a team of 12 engineers who was having a crisis over her career and leadership growth. Although she was highly regarded, she felt that she was standing still, not getting the satisfaction she once had. So I asked her, what was your last transformation? By transformation, I mean one of the following. You started to see the world in a very different way, or you made a decision that took you on a different path, or you changed the way you related and interacted with others, or you adapted to a new way of thinking or a new pattern of behavior. She thought about it and then said, with a pained expression on her face, I think it was at least five years ago. That led to a conversation of what will bring the joy and enthusiasm back to her and her career. I've been exploring the concept of transformation, how we grow as a leader, whether we're leaders of a business, a team, a hospital, classroom, church, or any other organization. One of the crucial steps of transformation is to go through And then learn from new or unexpected challenges faced and dealt with. I call these powerful leadership experience. I think challenge and change is absolutely crucial for leadership development. However, for many of us we get stuck in our comfort zone which traps us into a routine and prevents personal growth and satisfaction. Now step back and ask yourself, In the past five years, have I experienced challenges or changes that have provoked me to adapt, to transform, to grow? If not, here are five common work challenges that will help you grow into being a better leader. Which one of these seems appealing and attainable for you? First, the promotion challenge. Moving to a new level in your organization and learning the ropes of a new position even a new functional area. For example, moving from marketing to production to HR. Two, the leading former peers challenge. This is a biggie. Managing a team of colleagues with the inevitable dilemma of establishing authority and altering existing relationships. Three, the collaborative challenge. Moving from a position of authority to one in which influencing others and building alliances is critical for goal achievement. Four, the culture challenge, needing to quickly understand and adapt to new people, new political arenas, new ways of doing things, even differing expectations. And five, the one that gets us most of us, the people challenge, having to contend with a horrible boss, an arrogant coworker, a non-performing subordinate, and other types of difficult people that we must work with effectively because our success depends on it. So, here's your smart moves tip. What does it take to succeed in each of these leadership challenges? You must embrace change. What it takes to succeed in any personal or professional challenge is a matter of learning new ways of doing things and most importantly, letting go of old ways, even if they've driven your success up until now. Listeners, if you want to know more about leadership transformation, send an email to Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com, with the words, grow as a leader, in the subject line, or call me at 972-380-9181.
1: You're listening to Marcia Zidle, the Smart Moves Coach, making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability.
2: Next week's show is an encore presentation called Making Fantastic Career Choices. Have you ever browsed through one of those franchise lists to see if one caught your eye? Do you think you have the drive to be a successful entrepreneur or business owners, but, but don't know where to start? If your answer is yes to these questions, then you're in for a treat. My guest is David Ohm Holt, CEO of the Entrepreneur Authority, the fastest-growing franchise consultancy in the country. This is a unique opportunity to gain insights from Dave on the current trends and hot topics in franchise world. Tune in April 2nd at 11:00 Pacific 2 Eastern. I'm going to end with my favorite quote, There are three kinds of people in this world, those who make it happen, those who let it happen, those who ask, what happened? Which one are you? If you're highly motivated to make it happen, let me help you make it happen. Call me now for a free consult at 972-380-9181 or email Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A at smartmovescoach.com. Thank you for listening to the business edge with Marsha Zyle, the smart moves executive coach and speaker, helping entrepreneurs and business leaders take their company firm or practice to that next level with less success and less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth, innovate, improve, ignite or die, make smart moves. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marcia Zeidel. Please join us again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And enjoy taking your business to the next level.